G'day everyone and welcome to The Dan Show on Slice Radio, big episode 31. On this episode I talk to singer-songwriter and producer Angus Gill. His latest album, The Scrapbook, has just reached the top position in the Australian country album charts. He's a talented fellow generally and does a lot of collaborations and work with other artists. If you're in the Australian country scene, you're probably going to be hearing a lot more from Angus in the future. But not only have I got a chat with Angus Gill, I've included part one of Ashley's chat with Ruby Jones. Ruby Jones is a reporter and stars in the 7am podcast. She's been doing an investigation into the misogyny that's been inherent in the Australian music scene for decades. Don't forget to follow us on the socials. That's Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, TikTok. We're all Slice Radio. We're constantly releasing fun stuff and information about new things that are happening in music, comedy. It's a cool time. But coming up right now is my chat with Angus Gill and then we'll have intrepid reporter Ashley with Ruby Jones. Three Golden Guitar nominees. But next year, Angus, what do you think? You get the big one? Fingers crossed. <laughs> Why not? You deserve it. Uh, there's a lot of great songs on this album, The Scrapbook, um, that's taken the, uh, the you know the charts by storm. It's done very, very well. Angus Gill is here. How you doing? Really, really well, mate. What have you been up to today? Oh, just a lot of... Um... You know, a lot of stuff all. No, uh, I've I've been just trying to keep up with a few different projects I have on the go, um, doing plenty of Zooms, doing plenty of interviews um, for this new album. And uh, since we've had a bit of chart success over the last couple of weeks, I've had the interviews coming in thick and fast. So, yeah, things happening left, right and centre, which is good. Yeah, really great. You're only a young fella. I don't know how old you are. You'll tell me. 23. 23. Oh, you're going to Time to get life insurance. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it'll be cheaper and then more expensive at the end. Look, hey, don't worry about it. You've got uh, better things to worry about. Bluegrass in Australia um, it's got a it's got a pretty firm footing, I think. I think you you hear blue grass pretty often. But how would someone, a young f- person like you, come across bluegrass? Well, I came across bluegrass at quite a young age. I heard um, Paul Kelly's collaboration with the Melbourne bluegrass band Uncle Bill, um, and it was an album called Smoke. And that came out, I, I was probably about three when it came out in, I think it was early 2000, 2001 maybe. And I heard that album, um, it was actually um, on, they had a track Our Sunshine that was on the CMAA winners compilation um, that my grandma owned. And I heard that song and I thought, oh, what's that sound? You know, it was different to, you know, pretty much everything else on on that album. I thought, oh, what's that? And then I I realised that was was a bluegrass sound. And then shortly after that, I heard a song on a Melinda Schneider album called Can You Hear Me Down the Hillside? Mm. Um, And and that had a real strong bluegrass flavour to it. And and it really showed off um, her wonderful yodelling chops. And I was just kind of in awe 
um, with that song. And then kind of from there, I, I went back and discovered the father of bluegrass, Bill Munro, um, and then kind of worked my way forwards, uh, kind of, I've always been big on history and I'm, I'm a bit of a history buff. And so I, I kind of, you know, got a firm understanding of bluegrass by going back and studying Bill Munro and then being familiar with people like Ricky Skaggs and the Dillards, um, Marty Stewart, you know, um, and, and then there's a, a lot of people through the years, obviously Alison Krauss is, um, is reasonably, you know, in the last 20 years or so, her and Union Station have, have become a, a fixture and a, a wonderful um, part of, of bluegrass and uh, people like Rhonda Vinson and Alan Jackson had a cracker bluegrass album out um, um, several years ago and then so I I really really studied it and and um, I kind of um, had formed a pile of bluegrass tracks that I that I'd written with different people because the song was in the room and it just happened to be a bluegrass song or blue it was heading in a bluegrass direction and so I kind of was not I didn't realize but I, I was kind of secretly stockpiling bluegrass songs um, along the way so that was pretty much how this album came about. I, I wrote with Jim Lauderdale. Um, we worked over a couple of days on my last trip and we wrote a song that he cut for a project of his and then we wrote this Whittling Away track that I rediscovered last year in lockdown and I, I emailed Jim and I said, oh, look, I, I'm really connecting with this song that we had written, you know, and um, I'm thinking I might cut it. And I actually think because it was a broken narrative song, I actually thought it might work as a duet. Um, and I, I sent him an email and, and he sent me his part like a week later and then um, we pretty much had this standalone bluegrass track and, and so it, it kind of accidentally um, form like I did have have the aspiration to put out a bluegrass a, a real deal bluegrass album at some stage but I think the universe was kind of telling me that's that's what's meant to happen yeah it was time just for mm. people who maybe aren't that familiar with bluegrass how are we going to define it is it the instruments think, is it a feeling it's not it's a combination of the two um mm. bluegrass often and and something that that has often intrigued me about bluegrass is is they they take quite a melancholy or a poignant lyric and juxtapose that with with quite a, a, a bright kind of um, lively sound, you know, and, and it's it's usually obviously you have slow bluegrass tracks and fast bluegrass tracks, um, and you can have songs in in three quarter time, um, but th there's a strong emphasis on on the offbeat, you know, mm -chup, mm -chup, mm -chup. Which the mandolin does that, and that's kind of reinforced by all of the instruments in in the band at certain times. The fiddle will emphasize will kind of emphasize that that offbeat, um, and so will the banjo and acoustic guitar just be playing this steady rhythm. But in terms of instrumentation, bluegrass, there's no drums in traditional bluegrass. It's it's uh, acoustic guitar, banjo, dobro, double bass. Um, fiddle, you know, all, all of very much acoustic sounding um, folk music and folk music 
country music, you know, and um, it's also the the bluegrass harmonies also really have intrigued me, and I've spent a long time kind of studying them, and um, there's there's a lot of kind of tension and release in a bluegrass harmony where it almost reaches this dissonant point where it kind of clashes with the melody almost, and then there's that release, and it's like ah. Oh, there we are, you know, and you don't hear that a lot in other kind of genres or, or sub-genres of country music where it kind of feels like it's going to clash and it's rubbing up against the melody and then it kind of releases, so. Yeah, yeah, well done, uh, well explained there. And uh, close close harmonies generally yeah. two to three harmonies don't normally get the big high falsetto at the top, doesn't have to be too thick. You know, in that in that middle area of the vocal. Yeah, everything everything's quite quite close, and whether there's whether there's a lot of harmony or not, it's all quite mm. close in in the mix. It's not panned hard left and hard right. It's kind of just sitting in there with the vocal pretty intimately. And obviously, in a, a live music setting, a lot of bluegrass bands play around a single microphone, and they all kind yeah. of crowd around the mic and in a way you're mixing yourself that way like if a if a guitarist has a solo or something they've got to come up really close to the mic and play that solo and then back off and i, I love that whole idea and i've i've had the opportunity to you know play several folk festivals woodford folk festival and there's a, there's a great one festival here a couple of hours um north of, of me um in dorigo dorigo folk and bluegrass and they've got that kind of set up um, you know, when you play on that festival as, as well. So I, I really like playing around, like the idea of playing around a single microphone. Yeah. Do you think you'll uh, be able to tour that way or a, at least a mini tour of doing that sort of thing? Yeah, well, that's the plan. We've moved all of my tour dates for this album back to the end of February um, mm. and kind of from, from then on. So um, it, it's... Uh, you know, it's kind of a slightly tricky thing to do um, playing around a single microphone because it you kind of have to um, you have to work in there's there's different variables that that come into into play with something mm -hmm. like that you've got to have a nice sounding room and um, and obviously a, a good sound engineer that can that can mm -hmm. ring out all the horrible frequencies if it's not a you know a great sounding room so there, there are it is a little bit fraught with with danger but um, but we, we are going to try and have that set up and if if we don't it, it will be for for some shows and then other shows will just be yeah. on normal microphones. As a sound engineer myself, I think I'd like to have a big sort of microphone for the vocals, and that would be my uh, prop mic microphone. Even though it'd, yeah, yeah. you know, I think I'd have a, a few little microphones around the, the mic stand yeah. to catch the instruments. I don't think I'd, yeah, 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 I'd feel uh, I'd feel so nervous having a one mic set up. But anyway, look, yeah, it, it, that's it's me. very good. It's very yeah, it's very tricky. You've you've really got to you you have to know that setup and be so familiar with the room, and familiar with the gear and you know it, it's yeah it's it is fraught with a bit of danger. But I, I've got one of those ear trumpet labs microphones, like you know one of those big ones that you're talking mm, about, and it's yeah. a beautiful microphone. It looks gorgeous, you know. But it's but yeah, it's not the type of thing you can kind of bring out for every gig. For every no. festival, you know, whatever. So, yeah. Anyway, <laughs> look, that's been Sound Chat with Dan and Angus. <laughs> yeah.
What else? Move away from music. Uh, you're at Warhope there. Um, I've never been, but I'm sure it's lovely. Um, what else do you do for a laugh around there? Just normal country lad sort of stuff? Well, when I'm not, you know, working on new music, I'm working on new music. I write all the time, um, not only for my own projects, but predominantly uh, for, for other people's projects, you know. So sometimes I'll always have a song kicking of my own that I'll, that, that I'll write on my own. I'll usually write a song a, a month or maybe two songs a month on my own, but then I have lots of Zooms and, and you know, when, when COVID conditions allow, people will come around here and write with me and so that's been great I've just been working with Diesel for his new album um, and I've also got another project with Eric McCusker who um, he he's the lead guitarist and primary songwriter out of Mondo Rock and so him and I are doing a joint EP project um, so yeah plenty of plenty of things on zoom I also produce albums and singles for other artists so um, uh, it's been a very creative time even though there's been a lot of downers over the last two years one of the positives has been um just having a, a lot of time and, and space to to do those creative projects and it's kind of harder when you're on the road all the time to kind of keep up with with doing that so you do have to set chunks of time aside where you can get something finished when you're not out on the road because it's it's a lot more consistent and you can be in a kind of uh, you know a regular routine at home but you know it's harder to get that on the road and so I have in, I have been enjoying in a way kind of having a somewhat normal life but I also can't wait to get back out there and play some shows because yeah, sure. it just feels foreign you know the idea of playing a show is like that's unheard of you know I'm sure it'll all happen pretty soon and in a rush and we'll forget all about this sort of stuff but hopefully we remember <laughs> the big things um, I wonder if you'll end up as one of those producers from the 70s. A lot of them went a bit mad and then moved out to the desert to a producing compound. Have you heard about those guys? Yes, and they yes, did, they yes. sort of had breakfast and then they'd produce an album for a 70s band. I don't know, name one, any of them, and then they'd never leave. Do you think yeah, you'll yeah, become one yeah. of those crazy guys? Yeah, that might yeah, suit maybe. you. Maybe. As long <laughs> as they don't end up like Phil Spector or something, you know. No. <laughs> What a brilliant producer, but man, oh gosh, you know, I think he died. The other, is he is he dead or? I think we did lose Phil. I think so. Yeah, no, he, he, he his life was uh, was was virtually um, very chaotic and and not very good, not very great in areas. But, uh, so, um, what a gifted producer. Well, and producers, right? Um, you're a producer yourself, but you can't live without them, particularly. In music mm. these days, right, whether you're in rock, pop or whatever sort of music you're in, you're not getting away without a good producer. I'm not going to say producers are king because, you know, the content is king, but, <laughs> um, you know, is producing something that you're obviously going to continue to do more of, I think. Yeah, look, I I have had a lot more space and time to to produce for other artists over this this time. You know, I produced my last four albums, um, and actually co-produced this bluegrass album with a friend of mine, Tim Crouch, who who knows bluegrass like the pack of his hand. You know, mm. um, but yeah, I, I I love I love producing artists. You know, I I get offers to produce all 
different artists, but if I hear someone and go, hey, I, I can really help them, I can really add something to what they do, they're the kind of people that I really want to work with because if there's people that I like what they're already doing, well, then I don't want to tamper with that. You know, I, I think mm -hmm. if what they're doing it works and it's great, but if I hear an artist and I often hear artists, um, some that I've, you know, that I look up to and others that are just kind of coming up and I, I kind of go, look, I could, it, it'd be really cool if I got to work with them as, as a producer because I could really add something to what they're, they're doing. Well, then they're the people that I usually try and seek out or, or they're the offers that I'll, that I'll usually take on, you know, to, to produce so um yeah i've been been doing been doing plenty of that and and will continue to um because it, it's something that uh, i got into kind of early on I'd, I'd hear something and i'd go oh if i was producing that i wouldn't have that instrument in there and i and i would have done a better job producing the vocal because mm. oftentimes you'll hear a vocal either or just butchered by auto-tune or, or it'll be sitting too low in the mix and you can't mm. hear what the singer's singing and I go well, if I was producing that I'd have it a lot higher up in the mix and yeah. I'd take a lot more care at the comping and the and, and the the tuning and and that whole treatment of it and so that's how I I came into producing and I I did a lot of work experience you know sitting in with other producers and seeing how they treated the artists when they come through through the door and what their workflow is and what different plugins and bits of outboard gear they had and um, just sitting there kind of writing notes and taking it all in and so it, it's very much something that you learn by doing and you can you know you can do as many online courses and watch as many YouTube videos under the sun but it's something that you're only going to learn and you're only going to get better at by actually doing it. Yes, uh, practical experience is uh, worth a lifetime of uh, looking at books. But you say about mm. like with vocal being in the mix, that's a real pet peeve of mine because coming from producing in, in the 90s, we'd have it just above the music or maybe even yeah. just below the music. I mean, you could just almost not hear it and that was cool. Yeah. Like that, that, was, yeah. that was where you wanted to be. But things really changed with, you know, melding of pop and rap and um, and now you've really got to have it up. And so many times I want to just flick off an ask, artist, a uh, like an upcoming artist, an email that just says, simply said, you're nailing this, love your stuff, turn the lead vocal up 20% and you're good to go. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, because because it's people so, it's, really want to hear lyrics these days. Particularly in in what, what I do and yeah. what, you know, in country, um, yeah. And and for most other genres too, you know, you do need to hear. I, I know there are some like when I did the album with Paul Kelly's band, which I which I put out last year. Um, mixing that was slightly different. There was you know slightly different sound in the vocal um, because that was all you know what you hear, what you see, what you get. It was all tracked live at the same time, and there's no studio trickery, and it was all just really raw and and yeah. real, um, and so. So the, the treatment for the vocal, because that was kind of a folk rock kind of country rock alt country project and so the, um so i mixed the vocal obviously different in that project than i did in the bluegrass but it still has to be audible you still have to be able to hear every word in there because then it's just like often oftentimes you'll hear things and you'll just go i just can't hear anything it's just all this wash of sound noise mm. you know so yeah, getting separation is uh, is tricky 
More mm. tech talk with Angus and Dean. I mean, <laughs> we just don't yeah. stop. <laughs> we don't stop, do we? What's going to happen next year? So we're going to get back out on the road, and I guess you're going to let this album sit for a bit. I guess you're not planning to, you know, put out put anything out until you've really um, given this one a red-hot go, I guess, mate. Yeah, well, I do want to probably tour this album mm. because the last two albums I haven't been able to tour very good because of old friend COVID, mm. um, but old mate but um but no i i would like to i probably will have another album out next year i know i've got this ep with eric that will be out next year um because i just can't help but put albums out because that's what i do you know and i've when i've got a strong bunch of songs sitting around and it's it's kind of people are going oh have you got that song on a cd and it's like all right well you know and if i've got spare time and i've kind of in between projects and just to keep myself sane that's what i do you know i i um i've got a new i've always got something on the go my mind is always thinking about the next thing you know it's important to be thinking about the thing that you're doing currently but i i can't help but plan ahead and and uh so yeah i'm actually planning an album full of my own material that i've written all on my own and i'm actually going to play all the instruments and and produce it all as well ask how many instruments do you play yeah well i i play i play a lot of different things on probably about 15 or or so instruments Mm. um maybe more maybe less i i probably 15 probably sounds about right yeah but i i i do all sorts of things obviously guitars banjo mandolin hammered organ uh wurlitzer piano bass guitar you know different percussion things different types of keyboard instruments a lot of stringed instruments bazookis and dobros and things like that so um i don't play any woodwind instruments but but practically anything that that i i need to be able to fill out a track and and uh, and you know some color instruments too there just to kind of put a bit of a sparkle on, on, but it's all about serving the song and all about serving the lyric for me and everything's just there to, to build that texture up and, and just have everything feeling feeling good, you know. Fantastic. Now, you're not the sort of country artist that you, we're going to see um, sporting a big hat. Hat? No. No, no I'm not a hat That's hat. not your go. <laughs> but if you did have to keep the sun off your body, what would you go with? Like fans want to know. <laughs> Oh gosh! Oh, I don't know. Well, would you go a cap? Would you go like a terry toweling thing like me? Or would you yeah, go with a well, sombrero? <laughs> um, yeah, I, I probably a cap, but then that's a bit. You know, there's a lot of American country singers mm. with a ball cap on, and I kind yeah, of go trucker's cap. I, I just feel a bit uncomfortable wearing a ball cap backwards. Like I, I just feel like a, a rebellious school student, you know. And well, yeah, one day and, uh, you might be doing out outdoor. You might, you will become older. You'll be more sun uh, aware. You can't just drape yeah. a towel over your head when you're doing an outdoor festival. What well, you maybe you know. But oh, I, I know. I, hard hat. You never see a hard it. hat. Yeah, that, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I just tend to look shit in hats, so I, I just don't wear them. You know, well, I do. I, I'll wear a cap, but you know, I just don't. It just doesn't suit me wearing a. A, a hat and and yeah, I've, I've got just, a lovely round head and it really suits a hat. You know, it, that's it's, good. That's good. Globular, it's globular. It, it's round like an orange, and a hat if I, just if really I ever start balding, 
If I ever start balding, I might consider it. But if I ever start balding, I'll I'll get a hair transplant or something. Yeah. So you know, I don't think I, I I'm I'm just going to be one of those older entertainers that you see that, that look like one of those Lego men that have just got that severely dyed, you know, black hair. But as I always say, when this <laughs> like comes one of up, the that, on N that's, N News, as I always say, when this comes up, that's what you want out of an older entertainer. You want exactly. them to have dyed hair. You want them to be like a, you know, orange. Again. Yeah. <laughs> all the all the all the Botox and fillers. You know. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. You want them because that's the fun thing. Well, look, a hair transplant. If it's good enough for John Williamson, I reckon it's, it'll be good enough for you. Because I don't know <laughs> for sure that he's had one, but it looks a lot like it. I don't know. No, I know Shane Warne's had them, so you know well, it's good, good enough for and I don't know whether we'd use him as a uh, example for anything else, but for no, bowling, no. yes. Yeah, good spin we'll say bowling. goodbye to Angus Gill. We'll just congratulate him again on this fantastic album that I've been been <laughs> enjoying, and uh, everyone else has been enjoying, even around the world, I bet. Um, and uh, wish him all the best, and we'll catch up. Look, we might try and catch up with you next year from the road or something. That'd like be that. good. That'd so be many great. young artists I'm talking to, they're just champing at the bit to get to get out on the road. And I, I really want to hear all the stories of of being back out there and and just what it's like. Because I'm too old to go myself, but I'm 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 <laughs> I'm not too old to sit behind a computer and ask questions. <laughs> no, and we're glad you do. Yeah, it was good fun chatting to you, Dan. I enjoyed it. Thanks, Angus. Well, 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 how was that? A lot of interesting chat, a lot of fun conversation. Super big thanks goes out to Angus Gill, Ashley and Ruby Jones. Another show we're really proud of here at Slice Radio is Whole Human with Jamie Steddo Stedman. It got off to a tremendous start last week with his chat with Rob Vagano. This week he's got another confronting and inspirational conversation with Peter Slider Sutton. Make sure you find some time to catch up with Whole Human, Jamie Steddo Stedman, wherever you get podcasts. That is about it from me this week. Thanks for joining. We'll catch you next time and stay safe.